Blog Talk Radio. Driving all night, my hands wet on the wheel. It's talking in circles. The voice in my head that drives. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Talking in Circles. I am Clayton Cole with Philip Matthew and Spencer Cowan here tonight as we're talking about the NASCAR All-Star Race. All-Star Weekend is here tonight on Talking in Circles. It is here, All-Star Weekend. A lot of people are excited about it. We'll give our thoughts on the race and everything that goes into this All-Star Race. We'll preview it. We'll talk about what we like about this All-Star Weekend, what we don't like about this All-Star Weekend, also whether or not it should be moved, and if it is moved, what track they should move it to, uh, what track can – would it be great to see what tracks would we like to see it, and, and what would that mean for NASCAR? Also, some rumors out of the Richard Petty Motorsports camp the last couple of days uh, heating up a lot this evening uh, – this afternoon into this evening. The, it's possible the team might be rebranded as, as Petty Enterprises. I've read that a lot on Facebook. Um, still not 100% clear on what's going to happen there. We'll discuss a little bit of that and what that could mean for the sport and everybody moving forward. The number to call tonight to join the show is 917-889-8280 here on Talking Circles. Again, you got Clayton Caldwell and Philip Matthew and Spencer Cowan. Okay, guys, All-Star Weekend is here. Um, I'll get Spencer's opinion on this first since we kind of left you at it last week. Um, what is What about um, this? Do you look forward to this All-Star Weekend, Spencer, from, you know, an old school fan, and I think Philip and I are pretty much in the same boat on this. I want to get the, the new, the sort of young, younger fan, the new school fan opinion before we come on and give our thoughts. What does, how does the new fan, the newer uh, race fan, view this All Star Weekend? Is it a lot of fun? I mean, listen, when I was a kid, I used to love it. They used to, um, you know, have crazy paint, a lot of different paint schemes. Uh, you know, it was so much fun. Uh, it's, it's worn on me a little bit now i'm not nearly as excited as i used to be about it but what about you spencer do you get excited do you get jacked up for this weekend here at charlotte motor speedway i don't really jack get jacked up like i do for the 600 but uh i think the most thing that i look forward to is it's fun there's no points you know you're going for the million dollars in the trophy and i like how um you're how you have to get into the race um I like how it's not the whole field, obviously. Um, but, yeah, I think that's about it. You know, it's just fun. They go out and they drive hard. Um, they, You know, they, they drive the wheels off of them for the million bucks, and they just go after it, and it's checkers or wreckers. And I think that's what really amps it up because they know it's not points. They're not going to sit there and settle for a second-place finish because second-place finish isn't going to get you anything. Um, and, like, the regular season, they'll settle for it, good points stay, and then move on the next week. But this week, there's there's none of that. You just go for the win, and I think that's the uh, coolest thing about it. How nothing's on the how nothing's on the line, but a trophy and a million bucks. So, um, yeah. Other than that, it's, I don't really look forward to the racing, but that standpoint of it, I I think it's pretty cool and fun. How you just watch them go at it and sparks fly, and the paint schemes, like you mentioned, are different, and that's pretty cool to honor the military and all that stuff. So, other than that, that's about it. Yeah, it's interesting. It's going to be a little bit of a of a preview into the Generation 7 stock car that is slated to debut in 2021. Cars will have two new uh, technical elements. The first technical component is a single-piece carbon fiber splitter slash pan that is expected to offer dramatic improvements in ride height sensitivity for competitors. Something I, something I don't care about is that uh, apparently it's cost-saving to the teams. Whoop-de-doo. 
The second part is a reconfigured radiator exit duct through the hood. So that should be interesting. Uh, also, a couple of, of new format changes. The open stays the same as we've had it the last few years. 20 laps, 20 laps, and 10 laps. Uh, each stage winner from the open will advance into the Monster Energy All-Star Race. The field is made up of 2018 and 2019 Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series winners, All-Star Race winners, previous All-Star Race winners, and previous Monster Energy Cup Series champions. I mentioned the stage winners earlier. And then, of course, you got the NASCAR fan vote winner, which will be the fourth driver to transfer in from the open event. The the All-Star Race features four stages, 30, 20, 20, and 15 laps. Those are your stages. The winner gets a million dollars. At the end, normal stage break procedures, overtime for all stages, no mandatory pit strategy. Uh, really no gimmicks this year here, Philip, which is kind of interesting. You know, uh, a few years ago, we used to see if you want a stage, you automatically advance into the, into the final round. Uh, you know, and then they had the math where you had to be a mathematician to figure out who made, who started the front. They've taken a lot of that away. Uh, but what are your thoughts on this all-star race? I mean, we remember it in its heyday. I mean, I, I, I'm, I was a lot younger in 92. I don't remember, remember 92, but that was sort of its heyday. I mean, um, you know, it switched around from Charlotte to Atlanta. Bill Elliott dominated. You know, a lot of people thought the All-Star race was going to go away there in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, and it was saved by when Bru- uh, Humpy Wheeler and Bruton Smith built lights around Charlotte Motor Speedway. And, of course, you had that epic finish with Kyle Petty, Dale Earnhardt, and Davey Allison, where Davey and Kyle wrecked the start-finish line. Um, and from there, we saw a lot of great racing at the all-star race. Um, what is your thoughts on this all-star race here, Philip? Are you excited for it? Um, what, what are your thoughts as we enter the all-star race, which is in its, uh, about 36, 37th running. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's an interesting, uh, with some of the rules changes that they're making, I guess in that sense, it's uh, curiosity. I mean, kind of like what last year's all-star race was basically a setup to what we theoretically have this year. It's not exactly, but uh, in that sense, it's interesting. Uh, Charlotte has been running the, they've been running tire dragons around the high line. So that and that will probably assist in the racing because they've needed a lot of help at Charlotte Motor Speedway with actually putting on a good show for probably two decades. Um, If not two decades, at least 15 years. Um, So in that sense, that's interesting. I mean, for me, it's the the all-star race, bringing it back to 92, one hot night, you know, for me as a fan, I was, I never, I didn't see that. I've only seen videos. I've only seen the, the, the whatever film they did on it. And I watched, I was, 2009 was a great, you know, night for me as a fan. And it was a culmination of a lot of things for Tony Stewart. Uh, first win as an owner, uh, first win for Haas team, all those things. So in a sense, there's the positivity of that. And I mean, with Brad Keselowski, Ryan Blaney, two people that I'm, you know, I'm a fan of having won. So in that sense, there's a curiosity there. Can they finally get that win? Uh, Kyle Larson's another one. Uh, There's a few guys that haven't won it. It would be great if they were to win their first all-star race. 
Uh, at the end of the day, I mean, the luster, like when we came on this season, you know, talking about the the clash, the luster of the all-star race has kind of gone away. I mean, yeah, the million dollars is a million dollars, and but the reality is all these guys that are going to be in this race, the vast majority of them, make a million dollars a year anyway. So, I mean, it's the, the luster of the money, all these things, kind of gone away they make all these changes with the stages and gimmicks and this and that it's like nascar doesn't understand the kiss method and they kind of have to you know keep it simple stupid you know what i mean Mm -hmm. you know do a 30 30 lap first stage do or, or do 40 20 and 10 or do fit i mean i would i would make this thing into a prime time like product that you put on you know for us for you and i channel five on fox network and make it into a three hour prime time product and run it on the friday before the 600 or something and you could get the the open done and you go and lead into the all-star race and get that deal done in three hours on prime time on a friday night i don't think that would be a pretty I think that would be a pretty good idea. I think I might be going off on a tangent into what we might be talking about later, but the reality is changes are necessary. What they're doing today is just the same, you know, it's the same or this week is the same as what they've been doing for like the last 10, 15 years. Um, curious as to what it'll look like. Really want to see one of the drivers that I pull for get that win because it matters and it matters in terms of the Hall of Fame, which is also something that's coming up here in the next week or so. So probably be talking about that as well. Yeah, well, Will, when the when it's the Hall of Fame, uh, you know, when all that happens, we'll certainly discuss it here on Talking in Circles. Uh, but it is the All-Star Race, you know, and, and my opinion on this is this, you know, here there's a few problems in this race, with this race for me the last few years, and it's just that, you know, like everything, it's changed a lot. You know, and um, I, I like the fact that this year is sort of a lot more simpler where you don't have to sit there and go, well, who finished first, second, and third in the first stage? Uh, or have any kind of wacky strategy in it to get you up front. I like that you have to race and you have to race hard. Um, you know, and however they want to do that, you do that. Now, um, it's changed a lot. You know, I like to, fa- I love, I used to love and in love with the capital L O V E. When we did eliminations in this race um, back about 15 years ago now, maybe even more than that, almost 20 years ago now, where, you know, if you didn't finish great, you know, if you didn't, let's say there was 20 cars in a race and they took 15 in stage two and then 10 in stage three. And if you weren't in the top 15 or top 10 in those stages, you didn't get the race. Your day, night was your night was over. So uh, it, it's an it's certainly an interesting little battle. Um and, and, you know, I just – no matter what they say, no matter what happens, um, I would just like to see this race stay the same. I love I love a 10-lap shootout at the end. I don't know why it's 15 this year, why they felt the need yeah. to go and add the extra five laps. I really don't understand that. I think you might have touched on this too, Philip, where they have the uh, VHP or track bite, whatever you want to call it, on the outside of the track this weekend. So that should be interesting. But how about, you, how about this, Spencer? You know, a little bit of an interesting – uh, I guess curve we've seen in this race the last couple of years is the fact that we've seen a sort of preview here 
uh, a preview for 2021 in this year's race and a preview last year into the 2019 package in 2018. Um, to me, it, it's, it adds a little bit of a different element. I'm not sure how I feel about it because in one way, um, I kind of like it because it's sort of – this is the race. If you want to try some things, this is the race to do it. But in another way, it's almost like, but then I'm not seeing the best teams of the year competing against each other be, with, with this year's package, and that's kind of what I want to see. Uh, what are your thoughts on, on, on seeing the, the, the preview here in 2020, of, of 2021 package? I mean, yeah, I kind of agree with you. You, you know, you want to see this race as, you know, let's see the best of the teams compete for, you know, what they're there for. And, uh, you know, with them going to this package, you know, you're really not seeing it because they got to gravitate towards this new uh, package uh, for the pr- next year, the following year. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I guess they just – this. I mean, if this is the race, like you said, to do it because there's no points, you're not really going to screw anything up. But, you know, these teams are spending a lot of money on these race cars to be in this race. And, you know, they want to be able to put, you know, what they know with the setup that they know for this million dollars. So they're, you know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just kind of iffy. Uh, like you said, uh, you want to see them race for it. These teams probably want to use what they know so they can make money and not, uh, go out here with a new package or whatever you want to call it, not re- or set up and not really know what they're getting themselves into. So, uh, yeah, I'm kind of on the same boat as you are. How about you, Philip? I mean, I think it's an interesting little dynamic they've thrown into this race here the last couple of years, um, again, to, you know, I've always said the all-star race is the race to try things because it doesn't affect the championship. It doesn't affect uh, really anything other than these guys going for money. But do you like the fact that we've seen it here in 2018 and now in 2019, we're going to see a new package, something that's really completely different than what we've seen? You know, I think it sort of hurts the teams that are a little smaller that might have their or teams that might have their arms wrapped around this package a little bit. Uh, and the bigger teams obviously are always going to win. It's the all-star race. They're going to go after it. But I guess what I'm getting at is, you know, it's the beginning of something new. It's sort of, you know, these teams don't know really what what they're going to be, how these cars are going to handle or anything on on Saturday night at the all-star race. Is that a good thing that you kind of want to go in there with a a notebook that's completely wide open, or would you rather have a race where, you know, we're kind of 13 races into the season – and they got their arms around it, and, and you think the package will get better and better as it continues. Um, what are your thoughts on this all-star race and, uh, and the fact that we see sort of a, a, you know, an interesting dynamic by throwing a preview package, as I like to call it here, the last couple of years? I mean, I could take it or leave it. I don't really believe in you know, doing R&D work on one of your biggest stages in, in the sport. Uh, I think that it's kind of uh, weak. The reality is they've taken testing away from these teams and they've done all these things. They talk about saving money, but I don't get where you're saving money when you're adding parts or making these changes for specifically for one for two days of the whole entire season. I don't get where the saving money is ex- exists for all these teams because every charter team has to compete in this race no matter what the sponsor is or what nonsense they're putting on their car. Every charter team has to compete this weekend. 
So you're making them pay when more than likely the vast majority of them either aren't going to make the big show, or if they make the big show, they're probably theoretically not going to win it. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to just go off and like it's like the PGA Championship that's starting tomorrow, a uh, major, and there's multiple guys who are like, oh, you could just dismiss most of the field as we talk about right now. We could dismiss the field. I look at the starting line. I look at the lineup already as it stands. I can already mark at least a third that I would just right off the bat say, all right, they're gone. So in the end, and that's just for the main field. I'm not even talking about the open, you know. So if if they allowed testing and if they allowed, you know, proper, like, product, like, proper process, like, progress and processes, there might be a better product on a racetrack. Um, it would also help if the tire uh, uh, company that worked with this sport actually provided a good tire. Uh, they're running a similar tire. Like, if you're going to go and do this new package for engines and we're going to restrict the engines, even though it's not restricted, uh, but they, you're going to do all these aero things, these stupid splitters, which they shouldn't have splitters. It's a joke. Um, Natalie Decker wrecking every week should tell you that you shouldn't have splitters, but the 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 logic that you're not going to try a tire like why don't we go the full boat? Why don't we go all in? Why don't you go and make a tire for the All Star race that this is what we're going to do in 2021? We're going to do a 15 inch rim, which is I mean in this day and age a 15 inch rim sounds ridiculous, but or a 16 inch rim. And we're going to do this tire, and we're going to try it in the all-star race, and let's see what happens. Why don't we go all in? You know, they kind of make these little moves and do all these things, and it's kind of like haphazard. And then you get the talking heads and the mongoloids that are going to say it's the greatest thing ever. Oh, we're trying it out in the all-star race. It's, the point is, there was no R&D when Davey Allison won this race. What did he use? Davey and, and Q-Ball went and used their best car, and Kyle said he backed off after he passed the line, turned them in the fence, and destroyed their best car. That was and right. that was for a million dollars or whatever. It was like $750,000 back then or whatever. It was a ridiculous amount of money. Well, you know, that's something when Krusty could... went and turned Daryl, he went and won $200,000. You know, like, I hope so he chokes it's up. like... I hope he chokes on that $200,000. I yeah, wish yeah. Daryl would go and choke on it and wrap. You'll be out in a month, so it'll be all right. But, you know, like, that's what it is. There was no R&D going on. It was just all in, go for it, let's go. All and these that's great I'm... moments that they show are from pre-BZF. And that's what I'm getting at, I guess, with the, with the R&D. It, it almost, you know, I, I get what they're doing. Because, like you said, there's no testing anymore. It's hard to, to really try out a package. Um but in a way, are you watering down the all-star race, you know, as far as what fans are concerned, because these teams are using it as sort of an R&D session. Now, they, a lot of teams did it in the past. You know, I remember there was a big situation with Jimmy Johnson when we did stages. And if you won a stage, you're able to advance to the final round where Jimmy won stage one and then kind of sat in the back and they quote unquote sandbagged the next three stages and then won, went out and won the, the all-star race. And people were like, well, he didn't even really race. Um, so, 
and then you look at that and say, well, that's kind of R and D too, because they're R and Ding and and sort of R and Ding this package. We've seen teams that might go with an, a really unconventional setup in their car. Let's say you know we had a 2019 setup in there, and you might see a team that that's been struggling a little bit this year. Say, you know what, we're going to try in something that is completely off the wall to see if we can't get a little bit better. And that's R and D too. That's a little bit of R and D in it. So. This race has always been a little bit of R&D, I think, except for maybe the bigger teams that are trying to win some money. But here's something interesting I want to discuss. And, Philip, you touched on it a little bit. Um, you know, when Darrell Waltrip won the first All-Star race back in 1985, you mentioned that he won $200,000. Now, of course, that was 89, the race you were talking about with Rusty Wallace. Yeah. Um, and then he said he hopes to choke on the $200,000. But $200,000 back then was a ton of money to a stock car, to a NASCAR team. You know, I believe only Budweiser on that eight, on that 11 car in 85 was around a 750, maybe $600 to $750,000 sponsorship for the entire year. So to add $200,000 mm-hmm. to that, to that bank was a huge amount of money. Um, and here we are, you know, some 36, 37 years later and we're at a million dollars. And, and I guess that's what I'm here. I'm, that's what I'm getting at too, Spencer. Do you think, the money aspect for these drivers who, let's face it, are millionaires. Uh, millionaires they make money hands over fist. I mean, they make more money than they ever have. Is it, does a million dollars in your mind really go out and grab these guys like it used to back then? Two hundred thousand dollars back when it was five hundred thousand dollars. Does the million dollars really go out and, and say wow to these guys? I feel like you know when Bill Elliott won a million dollars in '85, it was it was unbelievable to think that you could win a million dollars driving a race car. And now people make multi multi million dollars driving a race car. I mean, you know, we see sponsorships on these cars for 25, $30 million a year now. So a million dollars really doesn't do that much of a, of a dent to these drivers or to these teams. Do you think that might play a factor Spencer and why maybe we don't see the intensity in the all-star race that we would see in, in years past? Uh, can you repeat that? Just the last part. So, do, do, is it maybe why we haven't seen the intensity in the race in the years past? That these these teams and these drivers, you know, a million dollars isn't really that big of a deal to them. I mean, yeah. I mean, compared to, uh, you know, what it costs for these. You're right. A million. I mean, a million dollars. I mean, you got to think a small. And I'm just going to throw this in for a, a, like a little hint for the f- people that are listening. I just watched a thing about uh, Nice Motorsports. They are running on a million bucks, that team alone. So you got these big, big teams, like all the top-notch Penske, all them boys that are out here with the big top-notch sponsor. A million dollars is really nothing to them. You're right. So, um, I mean, the only the only thing they want to go for is to try to get some money back because you got – I mean, think of a team that has four cars in this thing. I mean, it's outrageous for what it costs for them four cars to go to the racetrack. They're losing money. Yeah. Um, and I watched and I watched another thing. When Bush won the 500 for Stuart Haas, all three of his cars wrecked, and Bush won. And he, Tony said the winnings for Bush's uh, win didn't even cover the damage on the other three cars. So – I mean, a million dollars that you spend, easy, easy. So, yeah, I mean, honestly, it's chump change for them. It really is. So, yeah, the I mean, if it was big money, 
sure I'm sure there would be a lot more because there's a lot more on the line. But a million dollars, yeah, it's it's just not enough for these big teams. But I mean, how much can you offer for an, uh, an all star race? Um, well, that's what yeah, I'm getting think, at. Uh, that's right. How much yeah, can we put have... can we put that race up to? I mean, it's easy to say, well, throw it up to two million dollars, okay. But now we have a you know back when Sprint sponsored the, the series, they were putting seventy five million dollars into the series. Now it's it's Monster Energy's putting about twenty twenty five million in, according to reports, a third of what Sprint used to put in. Um, you know, so I mean, I'm not trying to to, to kill the All Star race. I don't want to say that, but you know, it is interesting how you know two hundred thousand dollars in 1985 goes a lot went a lot further than a million dollars does in 2019. Um, how about you, Philip? I mean, Spencer was a, a good point about the cost of these race cars. Now, one thing you don't have to do at Charlotte, and this is part of the reason why I'm pro Charlotte All Star race, although I'm coming around to a, a little bit of a different um, fact of, of moving the all-star race, which we'll get to in a little bit, but you know, the fact that you don't have to travel for these, for this race and teams can stay in their own beds and sleep in their own beds and don't have to put out hotel costs, I think really helps the fact that that helps this race a lot as far as finances are concerned. But do you think that maybe there needs to be a little bit more of a bigger piece of the pie here for these drivers and teams in your mind, Philip, uh, is a, does a million dollars really, really make a big dent to these teams? No, and it's uh, and it it's the same thing like when we are gonna be talking here in the upcoming weeks about Indy and the purse and all that for for the Indianapolis 500. It's the same thing with this race. Uh, it's not enough to justify them going all in. You're using it as an R and D race. You're using it as basically a test session, a glorified test session. Um, everyone's going to talk about the history, but it's artificial. Uh, you know, the to at the end of the day, and bet in it's great what you, what you and Spencer both said, very valid because you could make this thing five million, and I don't think it would make a, a real difference. Uh, and it's a, I would say this for both this race and the clash. They've messed with both of these races so bad that at this point it doesn't matter how much money you offer for them. It's it's just kind of window dressing anymore to go and win these. I mean, at the end of the day, for me as a fan, I have the Tony Stewart diecast of when he won his first race as a as an owner, and I'm sure all the Jimmy Johnson fans, if they're really Jimmy Johnson fans, have all of his wins. Or, you know, Dale Earnhardt or Jeff Gordon when he won with T-Rex or whatever. But though it's there, there's just it, – the disconnect is there. And you could make it a money thing. You can make it – there's – they've lost the point. I mean, you've lost the point here. We, we need to reassess what the purpose of this race is other than – to just bring people together. At the end of the day, it's bringing the making sure that for a couple of weeks we keep the people that really make this sport run at home. Outside of that, the rest of the people, the people that make the real money, don't give two pieces of monkey crap what's going on. You know, yeah, it's the All Star race. Yeah, it's a six hundred. But in the end, what is it to them? You know, it's another race, really, in in a lot of ways. 
the the people that the only the people that it really works for are the the crew the crew men and women the the uh, officials etc cetera, etc cetera. that's what all of this is and so i mean i mean the, the, i could go and sit and come up with an answer i probably have one here after we get off air but you know the it's just frustrating and it's sad that this is a shell of what it used to be, but then that's what the sport has become. And and as a perfect example of last week, Kansas was actually an interesting race. And for a track that's one of the worst tracks on the circuit, and in general, one and a half mile racing has been bad, you actually had something that was worthwhile. So then, okay. Why don't we just go and bring that to Charlotte for the all-star race? And then now, oh, it's a million dollars. And so, and it's no points. Wouldn't that be the idea? Wouldn't that be something you take the momentum, the positivity of that? And depending on where you are in the NASCAR fan council, they may give you more questions or not give you more questions uh, in terms of what you're looking for. Cause they, they ask that it depends on the person, but no, we're just going to use it as an R&D session for a million dollars. I mean, I mean, come on. It's yeah, I could probably I, I I probably need to go on my other show and talk about this race because it's <laughs> going to get really bad. I, I it's getting me mad. <laughs> okay, well, how how about this? You know, and and we talked about the finances. Spencer brought up a great point. I thought about the cars and how much it costs and Kurt Busch when he won this the Daytona 500, and uh, I think that's a big problem with. Well. Right, it's a big problem with with the uh, shootout, as you mentioned. You know, that's part of the reason why I've talked about Daytona at nauseum. If if you uh, remember, I don't know if you remember or, or if you're aware of this. Yeah. You know, I feel like Speed Weeks is going to go away, and we're going to have just one Speed Weeks. We're going to have one preliminary event. I feel like either the duels are going to go away, or the or the uh, the the shootout's going to go away, just because of that reason that teams tear up too many race cars. Anyway, I don't want to get too far off topic, but so with that with that said. Um, part of the of the 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 fact that makes this race, I guess, profitable for these teams is, like I said earlier, this is their home base. They don't have to travel very far with these trucks. They don't have to. They don't have. They can sleep in their own beds. They don't have to stay in a hotel. They don't have to pay pay for any traveling expenses at all because teams the teams and drivers live within you know twenty thirty minutes of this racetrack tops. Do you think we should move this race? I mean. Listen, Charlotte hasn't put up on a great race, a great race in a long time, as you mentioned. Is it time to move this all-star race, and, and where do you think we should move it? I think we should move it to Nashville. Let's let's go all in. Let's get crazy. If they they have they just announced the uh, a revitalization uh, plan for the fairgrounds. Uh, the NFL draft was there a few weeks ago and they had thousands of people sitting there in the rain during the first round of the NFL draft. They had thousands of people there for the Tennessee Titans to show their jerseys. National Fairground Speedway is one of the best short tracks that exist in the country. And it puts on great racing. Uh, the all American 400 is one of the great late model races that exists period. So in that sense, you know, it's not as big of a commute. It's not Charlotte. I mean, there are other short tracks. You go to Concord, 
that wouldn't be I mean they wouldn't be able to fill the field like a, but you'd get a full crowd but you know there's other short tracks I'd say Myrtle Beach you know if you really want to go and move it we go and keep it somewhat local within that southeast region but we take it to a short track that's my idea but I think National Fairgrounds would be the perfect spot taking on this redevelopment going and building this deal out uh, but for me, I've always wanted to go to Myrtle Beach. If you told me that they're going to run the NASCAR Cup All-Star Race there, not only will I book a week vacation, I'd play golf, and I'd go and watch the freaking racing. It would be the best freaking one of the best weeks of my whole life. So that would be my <laughs> idea. Interesting. And and let me be on. Let's be honest. You know, you you know the history very very well. Spencer does as well. Uh, we moved this race once. It was back in 1986. It ran at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Bill Elliott completely dominated the event. Um, not a lot of people were there. You know, that was the original 10th of this All-Star race. Yeah. Uh, I mean, if you look at the highlights of that race, uh, there's not a lot of them because there really wasn't anything to, to go crazy about. It was a dominating performance by the hometown driver at his hometown racetrack, and not a lot of people watched. Um, but the All-Star race in 1986 was in its second race ever. It really didn't have... Um, you know the they didn't have points, so I'm sure people kind of looked at it as as a kind of a silly dopey race. They didn't really understand it at that point. So I know it's a long time ago, and the All Star race has come a long way. But you know, since 1987, it's been at Charlotte Motor Speedway. All but one of these All Star events has been at Charlotte Motor Speedway. So I guess the, to you, Spencer, is you know if we moved from Charlotte hypothetically, now this has been in the works. This has been. I mean, I remember talking about this with my twin brother on this show about five or six years ago, and we still ha- it still hasn't moved. Um, so this has been talked about, kicked around for a while, moving this All-Star race. What are your thoughts on that, Spencer? Do you think it would, it would still feel like the All-Star race to you, or would, would you like the fact that it moved? And, and um, if, if we did move it, what, what, what track would you like to see it at? The, uh, I'm gonna go. The only reason I would say it wouldn't feel like the All Star Race is because, like you said, it's been there ever since I've been, you know, a big fan of NASCAR. Um, and I feel like you know they keep it there because it's close. You know, then the 600s right before, and it's it cuts the cost on teams. But um, I would like to see it a short track. Um, I wouldn't like to see it go to Atlanta because you know it's still a mile and a half racetrack. Um, uh, I'll I would say probably Darlington. But I don't know if we would go there if it would ruin, you know, when we do all the throwback stuff and the uh, Southern 500. I don't know if it would ruin that because we've already went there. Um, but it would have to be close. I don't see traveling all the way across the country for a short all-star race. That's unnecessary. It's too much for the teams. Like you said, uh, hotel costs, just keep it right in Charlotte. Or if you don't want to keep it Charlotte, keep it somewhere close. But I think it has to stay close, but keep it a short track. Um you know, that's you don't want to see it on the super speedway. You want to see it uh, under the lights, sparks, beating and banging at a short track. Um, you know, that's where it would need to be to really have the excitement, really ramp the crowd up. Interesting. I, I, I would agree with, tend to agree with that. You know, I think there's a lot of drivers, or a lot of tracks out there that can potentially do that. So let me kick this around. You know, um, here's a race, and I know I'm getting kind of into a lot of details. But I'm just curious, you know, how you guys feel about this because this is something we're going to have to consider when and when and if we move this race. Um, do you like the All Star Race where it kind of lays in the schedule? 
You know, right now we've always had the All-Star Race as a sort of break before the 600-miler at Charlotte. Um, sort of the break before Memorial Day weekend, which is the greatest racing weekend in all of in the whole country, with uh, the Monaco Grand Prix, the Indianapolis 500, and of course the Coca-Cola 600. So, um, if we move it to a place like Nashville, that's easy. That's an easy move because you could go, hey, um, we'll just pick up and, and move to Na- Nashville. But if we move it to, let's say Bristol or a a racetrack like, um, I don't know, Martinsville, or as Spencer said, Darlington. Um, do you think it would be better to sort of have back-to-back races there? Or do you think it sort of could be good to where keep it this weekend and then we go to Charlotte in the 600? Uh, would you be okay with a date change if that was necessary? Or should it stay the way where, right where it is, uh, Philip Matthew? What are your thoughts? Well, as I went off on a tangent earlier in the episode here, uh, I would move, I would move, I would move this deal to middle of the week or late in the week, a couple of days before the actual uh, six hundred. So basically, let's go and do this prime time. You know, everyone talks about prime time. So was on Monday Night Football, you know, utilizing that. I remember the 500 that they actually ran on on a Monday night was one of the more highly rated 500s in recent memory. And so why why not? You know, baseball's early in the season. Golf is whatever. You know, like it's a PGA. You're not going to compete again. You're you could beat the PGA. You should be able to uh, run the thing in the middle of the week. Everyone, the, this whole rumor of let's run races in the middle of the week. Well, run a freaking run the freaking all-star race on Wednesday night. If you're going to put a truck race on Wednesday night in front of 78 people at Bristol in, in the middle of the summer, let's go and run the all-star race, a meaningful race on Wednesday night. Why not? Let's do it. If we're going to keep it at Charlotte and we're going to do all this pomp and circumstance, make it a one-day show, let's make it legit. Let's go. You get there early in the morning. You do this. You go and have your practice, do whatever, go do the pill draw, and you run at night. Let's do it. Let's let's keep it simple, you know. And if you move it, I agree with Spencer, keep it short track. I was thinking when, when Spencer was actually making – his comment, I'm like, you know, maybe coordinated with the West Coast swing that they're trying to make work and go to Irwindale. Um, it's an underappreciated racetrack. I have a buddy of mine that's out in that area. I've always had an appreciation for Irwindale. It's a tough track. It's an interesting track. It would be something to put a cup car on on that racetrack, and I would be interested to see what that would be like for you know a good amount of money. Uh, that would yeah. be a way to go and see how that is. But yeah, if we're gonna go and put a date change to go and condense this schedule even more, let's stop with this giving the the All Star Race its own week. Make it part of Speed Week at Charlotte. We go and give the teams a week off. You know, early in the season after this first third or about the first third of the season, give the people that matter time off at home while they prepare for the All-Star Race. You're going to do 
You're going to have a one-day show on Wednesday, and you're going to be on primetime television. Then Thursday afternoon, you bring in all the stuff for the 600 Friday and Saturday or your practice qualifying and all that crap. And then you go in there for the 600. You know, like, to me, that's what would be the perfect idea to me. How about this? And and I want to get Spencer's opinion on this. You know, one of the weirdest – not weirdest, but one of the interesting things about this all-star race that's changed in the last couple of years. And, and again, you know, I, back in the day, I always refer to it. It used to be pretty simple. It used to be if you had won a race since the last all-star race, you were in the all-star race. So that meant if yeah. you won a race from May of the previous year to May of the year you're in currently, you're in the all-star race. Now it's – if you notice, the little wrinkle is if you won a race all of last year and then the yeah, first 12 races Dillon. of this year, right, which includes Austin Dillon who would not be in the race in, in this race because of his Daytona 500 win last year, so his day, so really your your first wins, um, you know, it gets him in the All Star race twice. Austin Dillon, technically, uh, yeah. how about if we put it in? I don't know. Let's say we we just made this week an off weekend, Spencer Cowan, and you know I, I'll take a little bit of Phillips idea, which Irwindale. Listen, I remember Irwindale, and I'm sure you do too, Philip. Uh, Spencer might be a little young when they had the the I think it was the Canaan Easter West All Star race out there the Toyota All Star Challenge I believe it was called back about uh, showdown there you go back about ten fifteen years ago at Irwin that was a great show and it was run sort of before the year let's say we in January load up the Cup cars for a quote unquote All Star race from teams who won every race in 2018 and said okay guys we're gonna throw you out on Irwindale. And sort of kick this 2019 season off with an all-star race, um, or kick kick the 2020 season off with an all-star race at Irwindale Speedway. Uh, would you be okay with that, Spencer? Would that be something you would watch and be interesting? I mean, listen, I think a lot of fans, there by the time January comes around, we're all we're all itching for a little bit of stock car racing to throw an all-star race out there. Now the teams might not be thrilled with it because they got to prepare a car for this race, but. What were your thoughts on that? Would you would you be okay with the race in, in the, I don't know, middle of January out in California? I mean, don't get me wrong. I'd watch it. You know, I'm an NASCAR fan, but like you said, I don't think the teams would be prepared. You know, they really enjoy their time off. They 36 grueling weeks the, uh, the uh, year before. And I don't know. I'm kind of thinking about it this way. If you have all the previous uh, winners to go race this all-star race, do we even have 18 winners in a season? So just say, you know, you got the Kyle Busch, the Truex, those guys that dominate, you know, the Harvicks who won eight races last year, would there really be enough drivers if it was that case to make a field to even be worth going to California in January and do that short uh, race? Um, I just think the way they have it, how you get in, it has to be that way because we don't see 18 winners in a season. Um so that's kind of where I'm at on that. I don't think it'd really be enough to field and make it worth it. You know, I'm fine with January. That's cool. But what I'm, I just don't think it'd be enough to be able to really make it time worth your time to see what a 10 card field. Um, so I think there would have to be something else thrown in there. I think there would have to be past winners just to be able to make a field. Um, but yeah, I'd watch it, but I don't think the teams would want to do that. 
you know, they want to kick the speed weeks off and kick the season off of the Daytona 500. That's how it's been. So, um, but yeah, I'd watch it, you know, whatever NASCAR, I mean, I'm not going to not watch it just because I don't think it should be in that month, but that's just kind of my iffy, iffy on it about not having enough cars to make it worth your time more or less. Yeah. And it's always fun to kick around some stuff. I mean, I, I think that's, that's the ultimate um, thing that we try and do here is, is kick it all around and, and just kind of see what sticks and what people like and what people don't like. It's just fun to, you know, I, I like Irwin Dell too, Philip. I really do. I would love to see the trucks go out there and run there. Um, and, and bring that track back. I mean, I, I know that track was close to death a couple of years ago. I think it's sort of rebounded a little bit, which is nice to see um, because, you know, tracks don't really come back from the dead. And so when they die, they usually die for good. Um, so to see a track still stay alive and still be pretty relevant like Irwindale has been come, uh, I think it's pretty awesome to see. 917-889-8280 here talking circles with Clayton Caldwell, Philip Matthew here tonight, um, and, and Spencer Cowan. Uh, how about, you know, the truck series race this week, guys, you know, let's preview this a little bit. I mean, what, what's nice about Charlotte and this is where my, again, this is another, um, you know, hole in my January out in Irwindale theory is, you know, we wouldn't get too many entries in the open race. I don't think, I don't think there would be a lot of teams who aren't forced to run that race would be like, yeah, let's, we're not running out there. So that would be a huge problem. But anyway, and the truck series is proof of that this weekend, you know, last week at Kansas, we had 27 trucks, 28 trucks, and then I think we got the field of 30, but most of them were starting parks. This weekend at Charlotte, uh, there are 38 trucks entered for this weekend's race. One of the teams I'm keeping my eye on to make this race is Ricky Benton Enterprises uh, with Timothy Peters in the 92. Interesting move there to go with the veteran Peters over Austin Terrio, who's been in that truck the last couple of weeks, last couple of times they've tried to race. Um, so... What are you guys' thoughts on this on this race? You know, I mean, we obviously last week we saw a tremendous run by Ross Chastain to win the race. Uh, he was able to pull one off and, and do a great great job there. Also, we saw Stuart Friesen go up there and compete really well for uh, a chance at victory. Kyle Busch is in the truck race this weekend. Unfortunately, I know everybody's jumping up for joy for that. Um, you still got Johnny Sauter. You still got Brett Moffitt. Uh, Todd Gill lands in there as well. Philip, what do you think we're going to see for the uh, Harrison Burton, of course? What do you think we're going to see for this to preview of this truck series, North Carolina Education Lottery 200 at Charlotte? Well, Kyle Busch will go and add one more win to his um, illustrious win total. And then when we get back to the regularly scheduled programming, we'll be able to kind of focus on those big teams, the Kyle Busch teams of, you know, Gill and and excuse me, and Harrison Burton versus the uh, GMS trucks versus the Thor Sport trucks. There's some interesting uh, teams in here making a run at it. Brennan Poole all of a sudden found a sponsor this week, so he's coming back. Uh, you know, um, Anthony Alfredo, I think he's been a uh, NASCAR next guy, and he's another DGR Crosley truck because I guess they have to have somebody that will actually finish the race um, other than Tyler Ankle. Uh, I mean, there's some interesting characters here, interesting drivers, uh, depending on how this qualifying goes. And uh, it should be a good race behind Kyle Busch. Uh, and so in that sense, I mean, they won't show it. Uh, but the reality is it should be an interesting race, and it should be an interesting race 
to actually make the field. You know, 37 trucks for 32 spots is actually a pretty good uh, turnout for this series at this point, uh, the way things have become. So uh, another idea, another truck to look at is Stefan Parsons. Uh, Phil Parsons' son is running a Charlotte Strong. Uh, truck and because of the shootings that happened there and I mean even though there aren't the names of the people there but uh, it was an interesting picture but that's a truck to look for uh, so I mean yeah I mean we know what's probably going to happen unless uh, you know somebody turns them or somebody runs into them but the reality is after that there is a truck series championship that you know these guys have to uh, perform and get into and and there's a possibility you know if you beat Kyle Bush it'll make your win mean even more because they'll talk about it for the rest of the freaking year oh you beat Kyle Bush oh, it's, such a, it's such a great thing how about you Philip or how about you Spencer I'm sorry um, are you looking forward to this truck series <laughs> race here this weekend um, you know you, you talked about how you were just enamored and, and who couldn't be with the race at, at Ross Chastain had it with Nissan nice Motorsports there. Uh it it's certainly got a lot of momentum and then of course, you know, like like spent like Philip mentioned here, uh of course you got Kyle Bush in the race. So uh that puts a little wrinkle into this race that not a lot of people like. But um what are you looking forward to this race at Charlotte Motor Speedway uh for the truck series? Yeah, I you know I I'm pretty sure all three of us agree the trucks are probably the exciting most exciting series you know it's a lot of young kids but yeah you know um i hate to say it, but i think kyle bush is going to be the one to beat um it's just he really knows how to run these race cars and really knows how to get around the racetrack and i mean i understand people don't like him but if you don't like him but you don't respect what he's done then you're crazy i mean what he's able to do and any series he gets in is just unbelievable how he's able to just go out there and whoop everybody's butt um but, you know, I'm, and I'm not biased just because I'm a fan of Raw Chastain, but I think the 45 is going to run good. I mean, he's top 10 in every race. Um, I mean, we saw at Martinsville he was battling with Kyle Busch. So, I mean, I know that's a short track and it's different, but still I think that team's got a lot of momentum. They really got things rolling for him. And, uh, you know, he could he could, he could could do it again. I mean, it's, it's not impossible. You know, he showed that he can win, and uh, I'd sure like to see him get it done again. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I just hope it's not a Kyle Busch show and it just gets boring. But I like I pretty, I'm pretty sure it's going to be a pretty good race. Yeah, it, it really, I, I agree with you there. Uh, something else I want to touch on here tonight, guys, before we sign off here tonight, is the rumors flying around hot and heavy. I, I heard there's some rumors on Sirius XM Radio this afternoon into this evening. I've read some rumors on Reddit. I've read some rumors on Facebook about Richard Petty Motorsports and the possibility of that 43 team either shutting down or becoming rebranded. Um, so I've read that, and again, this is all just rumors here, uh, that the 43 tr- car might be rebranded as Petty Enterprises now. For those of you who might not be so up-to-date on the history, Petty Enterprises ran, you know, from Lee Petty, ran the first NASCAR race ever back in the 49, and they ran until 2008, I believe, and then Rich Petty Enterprises sort of morphed into Richard Petty Motorsports along with Everham Motorsports. Uh, and, you know, Andrew Merstein, who is one of the 
major players, one of the major owners financially on that Rich Petty Motorsports team. Sounds like he might be pulling out as of the ownership group of that 43 car. What does that mean for the future of Richard Petty Motorsports? I'm not so sure. Again, uh, people are, are saying it might be rebranded as Petty Enterprises. I've heard everything from the team's going to shut down to where there's new owners coming in and um, they're going to not miss a beat. Um, but I guess what my question is, Philip, you know, here's Richard Petty, 82 years old. He's been in this sport his whole entire life, pretty much. Um, what would it mean for you? Do you think it's a big deal? You know, this is like if we lose Richard Petty now as an owner. Now, this isn't Petty Enterprises. I don't consider Richard Petty Motorsports and Petty Enterprises the same team. Some people might, but I don't. Um, but let's say Richard, for whatever reason, you know, Charlotte, we have Charlotte. They're going to run a 600. There's no doubt about that. Uh, but the races after that are sort of the ones that everybody is questioning. Um, let's say, you know, when we show up to Pocono for the Pocono 400, uh, on on June 2nd in the 43 and, and Petty Enterprise, uh, Rich Petty Motorsports isn't there. Do you think that would be, um, you know, something that you look at and say uh, as, as a big deal, as, as maybe something that is a problem for this sport? Uh, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I mean, it's it, not only, I mean, it's sad. A, the reality is, the provisional rule, the past champion provisional rule came in because Richard Petty went and had his huge wreck in the 88 Daytona 500 and then failed to qualify the next week at Richmond. And then Daryl Waltrip and Dale Jarrett killed it. And then Terry Labonte, Bobby Labonte, Bill Elliott proceeded to also destroy it. But, I mean, Richard Petty is a king for a reason. And that number has meaning. You know, there's certain numbers and certain sports that have meaning. And the 43 and the 3, amongst others these days, I mean, the 24, of course, um, they've basically oversaturated that. But the 43 and the 3 are iconic numbers. And it's because, you know, they're they're associated with winning, <laughs> If you're going to tell me that the 43 car next week or in two weeks from now at Pocono, I hope I'm hoping to go there and hang out. Maybe we'll go and hang out. You know, like it'll be a we'll be able to go and see this race, and the 43 car won't be there. It's sad, you know, and and it's a sad commentary on the sport, you know. And uh, there's a longer diatribe I could go on, but if they get bought up and they're able to run the rest of the year and they give Bubba Wallace a chance to be competitive, that'd be great. If it's bought up by somebody and they say they want to hook up with Joe Gibbs and they want to give Chris Bell a shot in 2020, it is what it is too. You know, like there's so many things that are going on. It's nowhere near what it was when pre-2000, like did we talked about Adam Petty's passing, uh, you know, for a little bit their last episode. And I think about that's basically when Petty Enterprises ended because Kyle Petty basically didn't care about driving anymore. The 2001 season and after that was a really rough period for that team when all those cars couldn't really make races. And it affected that organization greatly. 
And so we're at this point. The Wood Brothers hit a point like this, you know, about what, 10, 12 years ago or 13 years ago where they couldn't make races anymore. And they decided that they were going to go part-time. So if it means that Petty Enterprises comes back and they're a part-time organization, based on the current structure, it may not be the best thing. But in the end, if it means that they're going to be competitive and it's going to make the 43 look good and it's going to make the Petty brand and make Richard Petty look good again, it's probably better than running 30th every week like they do. Uh, but, you yeah. Know, it, it is I, listen, it is. I, I hate to say it, Philip. You know, I don't understand the point of going part-time anymore with, with the charter situation the way it is and how much more money you make with the charter than without. Um, I don't understand the point of going part-time anymore. You know, you used to be able to save money. It was cost measure, and you could run a little bit better, um, and, and you could kind of justify it that way. But, you know, I don't think they're going to have the, the finances behind them to build new race cars if, if they go part-time. So um, it, it's going to be something to keep an eye on here in the next couple of weeks. Um, but certainly rumors are flying. How about you, Spencer? How would you feel next year? You know, we get ready for the 2020 Daytona 500. Okay. And uh, a Richard Petty-owned car isn't in the field for the first time really since uh, he boycotted Daytona back in the 60s. Um, you know, And I know there was a, maybe a race or two in the 80s. Maybe they might have missed the Daytona 500 then in 85-ish or 86-ish around there. But um, you know, there's been, they've been a lot of Daytona 500. Let's just say it that way. How would you feel if, um, if, if there wasn't a, a, Petty, a Richard Petty-owned car in the Daytona 500 next year? I mean, I'm not going to sit here and cry or nothing or, you know, let it ruin my day. But, yeah, it'd definitely be weird not seeing the Petty Blue um, with the big white 43 on the door on the racetrack. Um, and just to throw it out, it's not the driver, as we all know. Eric Almarola is a hell of a driver. Look what he's done in Short Haas. Bubba Wallace has found victory lane in the truck series. He's got talent. I'm, I'm speaking. I'm not speaking for you guys. I think he has talent. Um, but, yeah, I mean – this is a business and if you can't afford it and there's no funding, what's the point of doing it if you're not competitive? Um, the goal, I mean, I understand when you start out, you got to start somewhere and you're small, but he's been in the sport for a very, very long time, as you both mentioned. Um, but if you're not competitive, I mean, you can't keep sitting here and just keep taking a beat and the way you guys are, especially not having funding. Um, no one's in this business to lose money in any business. No one wants to lose money. Um, so if you can't do it, I mean, you know, all, all, all things must come to an end as I say. Um, so yeah, it'll be strange, but if you know, if you can't do it, then you gotta cease operations and, you know, maybe like Philip said, somebody can buy it out and make them competitive with a lot of money and really turn that team around. But, um, like you said, he's 82 years old, you know, he's lived a long life. He's been around racing his whole, uh, his whole life basically. So, I mean, it'll be odd, but you know, like I said, uh, you got to do what you got to do. And at the end of the day, if you don't think you can do it more than, then you just got to call it quits. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out. Something to keep an eye on as we continue our shows here in the next couple of weeks on talking circles. I want to thank everybody for listening tonight. Uh, if you liked what you heard, you know, give us a like on Facebook, give us a like on Twitter, talking, talking and circles on Twitter, talking Facebook, uh, talking in circles, Facebook page uh, for Philip Matthew and Spencer Cowan. We'll see you next time on Talking Circles. Good night, everybody.